Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! We made it! It's 2017. We survived Christmas. You know, Christmas for me usually starts um, Breakup Sunday. That's when I want to start putting up the Christmas tree and decorating, getting the, the uh, what are those things called? Nutcrackers. Sorry, that was a brief moment there. Nutcrackers on the shelf and decorations, lots of gold and red and green. Now, I think there's two kinds of people in this room. There's those of us, like me, who still has the tree up. How many of you, you still got all your decorations up? And it's a mixture of laziness at this point. And you just want to kind of milk it for all it's worth. You know how much work it's going to be to take it down too, right? And then there's those of you who come, it's about 8 o'clock on Boxing Day. This is just a bunch of clutter. I got to get rid of this. Help me put it down. And, and your poor husband is quick, get those boxes before this woman goes crazy. So there's kind of two different, two different things that have happened in your home over the last week. But here we are, New Year's Day of 2017, um, with much to be grateful for. New Year's is really a time for reflection, isn't it? Um, and as well as projection, as we look in to the next year that lies ahead of us, it's a time to look back as well as a time to look forward. It's one of those few times in the year where we may stop and actually take a 360 view of what has happened in our life over the last year and what is coming up. It's that 360 view. Now, one of the things that I have noticed as I've thought over this last year is there's been a lot of times that I have wondered, what am I, which way am I supposed to go? You know, which job should I apply for? Um, you know, should I go into this certain ministry? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I have my family be part of this project? And there were many times for me in 2016 where the path seemed dark and almost indiscernible. And one of the things that God has done in my life during this past year is to realize, to awaken within me a deeper desire to know Him, to know who He is and to know His character and to get into Scripture and to find out who he is. You may remember back in November, we had Ron Pierce here at the church speaking about the persecuted church. And I remember one of the stories he told, really, I haven't forgotten it. It was about a pastor in China. And this pastor has read the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, 100 times. I'm not even sure I've read my favorite passage 100 times, let alone the entire book of the Bible. And that pastor said, I am just starting to get a glimpse of who God is. I'm just starting to get a glimpse of his character. May we have that same fervor, that same desire to get to know God more and to get into his word in this year. You know, God keeps bringing me back to his word and to discover who he is because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who is in the Old Testament is the same God who is in the New Testament, who is the same God who is with us and in us today. The story we're going to look at today comes from Genesis 16, and it's relevant to us, as relevant as any other passage in Scripture. 
So let's pray as, before we dig into this today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us through another year. We thank you for bringing us to this, the doorstep of 2017. Father, I pray that the message that you bring forward today would be a message of truth. I pray that it would be living and active. I ask that the power of the truth of your word would cut as a scalpel, a surgeon's scalpel in our hearts. That it would cut through everything, whether it's our doubt or our defense. And Lord, that it would lay us open to listen and obey. Have your way with us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 16. And while you're doing that, I'll give you just a little background to what happened in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, Abram has received a covenant. A covenant is an agreement or a promise from the Lord. And the Lord says to Abram, look up in the heavens and count the stars. If you can count the stars. That's how many there are. We can't count the stars. He says, look up, count the stars, and so shall your offspring be. We've seen that covenant play out, be fulfilled over the centuries. But at the end of chapter 15, there is a problem. Let's read about it. So chapter 16 starts this way. Just follow along with me. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children to him, but she had an Egyptian servant called Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to mistreat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai says to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Well, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abraham, Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old 
when Ishmael was born. Abram is promised that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. But Sarah, his wife, is barren. She doesn't have any children. And so they set out to find a solution. Anybody anybody else ever try to find a solution to a problem? Kind of fix it for God? (laughs) Never works out very well. At least it hasn't in my life. And it didn't in this story either. Let's make it happen. Tell you what, I will give you my Egyptian handmaiden Hagar to be your second wife. And maybe we can have children through her. So Hagar gets pregnant. And then Hagar starts to to despise Sarah. What a perfect example of how sin does not stay confined. Sin has a way of oozing, of spreading in our lives. And pretty soon this household is full of bitterness and envy and anger, mistreatment and contempt and blaming. It goes on and on, doesn't it? And then Sarai starts to to treat Hagar harshly. And, you know, we've got a prime situation. I think they should have started a new soap opera called The Nasty Wives of Canaan at this point. It was a mess. And the result is pregnant Hagar flees into the wilderness. And the angel of the Lord finds Hagar sitting at a spring in the desert And he poses this question to her. Where have you come from and where are you going? What's happened in your past and what will be in your future? Now these are not two separate questions. If you look in the script, it isn't where are you going, question mark. No, where have you come from, question mark. Where are you going, question mark. It's actually one question with the word and between. And that's because our past is not separated from either our present or our future. Hagar's story up to that point was going to impact the next hour, the next day, and the years to come. It's a two-parted question, a reflection into the past and a projection into the future. Well, let's delve into those today. Let's make this question personal to us. Where have you come from? Augustine is quoted as saying, a knowledge of the past informs the intentional world of the individual. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Hagar thought, when when the angel asked her, where have you come from? She may have thought, I don't want to go back. I don't even want to think about what happened back there. The abuse, the fear, the shame. I don't want to go back. I'm sitting here all by myself because I escaped from that. You know, this fall, my husband and I have been taking freedom session. And I've heard many times, I've said it myself. I don't want to go back. I don't want to think about the things in my past. I don't want to remember the painful, the hurtful, the sinful things. I just want to move forward. And I've learned, especially over these last few months, in a fresh way, that the recalling, the remembering, the giving of those painful things to Jesus allows him to take them and to heal them. He becomes the Lord of our healing. He becomes our daily savior. Let's not fear remembering. Let's rather, let's trust in God's healing power in our lives. 
You know, in asking Hagar, where have you come from? God was asking for an admission from her of her pain, her hurts, her disappointments, her fears. Why? He didn't need to know that. He already knew. He knew that in her admission that she'd be able, he'd be able to come in and to heal her and then move her forward to the future he had for her. You know, we see this a lot in scripture. Think about David. His, the adulterous affair with Bathsheba and then the prophet Nathan comes, Nathan comes to him and pinpoints that sin. And David writes in Psalm 51, surely you desire truth in their inner parts. The Samaritan woman at the well is recorded in John 4. God, Jesus admonishes her to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then he commends her when she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands and the man you live with now is not your husband either. Really what Jesus was asking her is, where have you come from? And in her honesty, she was freed from a life of sin and loneliness. And what's so exciting about that story is, is she had been trying to hide this, but then she goes back to town, to the townspeople, and she says, I've met a man, his name is Jesus, and he's told me everything I've ever done. Come and meet him. And many, many people in that town came to a saving knowledge of Jesus that day because of that woman sharing her story where she had come from. I have personally experienced the freedom before God and trusted friends as I've confronted the hurts of the past. Both the things that have been done to me and the things, the choices I've made. The power of honestly ask, answering this question, where have you come from? There's freedom in that through Jesus. Now there's another perspective to this question, where have you come from? And that is to remember all that God has done to sustain us. You know, the Jewish law, the Torah law, tells us that God's people were never to forget God's goodness to them. Never forget God's goodness. They were, throughout scripture, we're told, remember, recall the events and the circumstances of how Yahweh, the God who provides, reveals his love and his care to us. You know, memory has this way of rooting us. It helps us to find our identity. And then from that, it enables us to move forward with purpose and direction. You know, when we think back over 2016 and recall particular events, can you see where you experienced God's love sustaining you, his love directing you? When we do this, there's a deepening awareness of God's faithfulness to us. And it also blesses God as we recount back to him in gratitude how he has cared for us, how he has loved us. You know, one of the most special moments for me over Christmas this year happened on Christmas Eve sitting around the family room, the, the trees lit up, the fireplace is going, and my three kids are all home, and we've got extended family there, and we start to reminisce about Christmas past. The different things, some of it, I had a chance to share some of the things from my childhood that I remembered. My kids shared. I think the greatest gift I got this year 
was to hear their expression of gratitude for our family, for the things that we have done as parents that has blessed them. How much more is God worthy of our praise and our gratitude for his presence in our lives? You know, as we reflect back and remember 2016, and in response to that question, where have you come from? Let's focus on the goodness of God. How is God good to you this year? How did he prove himself faithful to you, to your family, to our city, to our province, to our country? Where have you seen God at work in you and others around you this year? One of my keenest memories this year was um, the week that I was able to spend up in Fort McMurray just after the wildfires. I was there, went up with Global Ministries here from Center Street and our partner, partner organization, Samaritan's Purse. And I was there the week that people came back in. I was there the week of June the 1st. And I was, had the privilege of being part of the Red Cross uh, information centers where people were coming in to get information about their homes and you know, get their electricity set up again and those kind of things. I had a week of loving on people. It was absolutely amazing. Long hours of hugging people and shaking hands and giving hugs, handing out hot coffee. Now, you might think that's not a big deal, but when the Starbucks and the Tim Hortons are still closed in town, hot coffee was a, was a, was a real gift to people. You know, sometimes all they needed was a smile or a warm handshake and a heartfelt welcome home. I will never forget an older couple, probably late 70s. I'll call them Sally and Johnny. And they'd spent the last month in an evacuation center in Fort Mackay. And they were visibly shaking, having, having driven into the, the city and seen the charred forest on both sides of the highway. To see the community of Beacon Hill there was nothing more than the odd lamp post and cement c concrete foundations of houses. One of the Red Cross workers came to me and said, can you help this couple? So I walked around with them, helped them get the things they needed to do. Sally was just clinging to me. She was shaking, physically shaking. And I said to her, are you going to be okay? I said, would you like somebody to go home with you? She looked up with me, her eyes big, welled up with tears, and she said, could you do that? I said, yeah. So I went and I got a chaplain that was with the, the uh, Billy Graham Association, and the chaplains took them home. Well, the next day I managed to sneak away from the information center, and I went to visit Sally and Johnny. And they were so thrilled to see me at that day. They said, come in, come in, come in. We want to show you around. Everything was just as we left it. And then Sally took me to the fridge and said, look, even the fridge is fine. Mind you, the cream was, was kind of smelly and the cucumbers were slimy. But other than that, everything was just as we left it. And they were so thrilled. I said, come, come sit down. Let's talk. So we sat down at their table. And we held hands. We remembered the events of the past. We remembered the things that had happened over the last. And then Johnny got reminiscing even further. He'd come from Czechoslovakia, grown up in Prague. 
And in his gruff voice, he says, I survived Hitler. I survived the Bolsheviks. And now I've survived the Fort McMurray fire. <laughs> you know, as we sat around that table, joined hands, we thank God for his goodness and his provision. We thank God for the property that had been spared. We thanked God that no lives had been taken in the fire. We thanked God for health and life. And we thanked God for his presence in the midst of fear and uncertainty. Sally and Johnny knew that they were blessed. You know, I also met a lot of people that week who'd lost everything. One woman had one suitcase of clothing and a few personal items that she'd thrown in the back of her car, and she, that's all she had. She'd lost everything else in the fire. Devastation was etched on her face, but I remember her words. I'm alive and I'm back. You know, it doesn't matter what's happened in 2016. When we contemplate the question, where have we come from? Each of us will have a mixture of joys and heartaches, of losses and births. Every year has its ups and downs, and 2016 was no exception. Many of us have lost our jobs. My family has been affected. My husband's been out of work since August, the oil and gas. We live the reality of that every day. But we also remember God's goodness and his care and his provision. Many of us suffered health struggles. I remember standing right here the last time I preached on Mother's Day. And my mind and my heart were reeling because two days previously, my 27-year-old niece had been diagnosed with leukemia. The last eight months, we've traveled with her as a family. We've journeyed through the, the treatments. And God has proven himself faithful. He's been present. He's been faithful in the struggle. You know, so as we respond to this question, where have you come from? We remember the events of 2016, and it's right to mourn what we've lost and rejoice with what we've been given. We must remember that our joy and our contentment does not come from our circumstances. It comes from the Prince of Peace. Christ alone is our solid rock. Amen? What can we be grateful for? Well, listen to this verse from Romans. We can be grateful for God's never-ending love. I am convinced, Paul says. Did Paul say, I kind of think I might be? No, he said, I am convinced that almost everything. No, I hope you're reading along. I am convinced that nothing, nothing. Anything left out of nothing? No, nothing is everything, right? I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Eve, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can be grateful for God's unending love for us. We can be grateful for God's presence in our life. Listen, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Now watch this, watch this definitive, that great big word again. Here it is. He will never leave you and never forsake you. We can be grateful for God's presence in our lives. We can be grateful for God's provision. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall I eat? What will I drink? What am I going to wear? No, for the Gentiles, seek after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And he goes on to say, if God cares for the sparrows, dresses the lilies, how much more does he care for you and for me? God's unending love, his presence in our lives, his provision for us, all of that, our experience in the past, will inform our future. You see, the second part of the question is, the first part was, where have you come from? And the second question is, where are you going? How we answer that first part will inform, or how we've lived that first part will inform how we answer the second question. When the angel asked this question, this two-parted question to Hagar, I find it interesting that Hagar didn't really answer the question. Where have you come from and where are you going? And her response was, I'm running away from, from my mistress Sarah. She was so focused on her immediate crisis that she had no view of the future. Hagar didn't know where she was going. I mean, she'd run away. She was sitting here by the stream of the desert crying, having no idea how she was going to care for herself or the baby that she carried. You know, it was probably, probably it was, if I had been Sarah, I probably would have thought, and that's a kind of a stupid question. Like, if I knew where I was going, I would have gone there. I wouldn't be sitting here crying by a spring. Hagar saw no hope. She was completely consumed with the present. No hope for the future. But God did. God gave her a glimpse of her future. And he said, go back to your mistress. Submit to her. Continue in your service to her. He communicated his promise to Hagar that her descendants would be too numerous to count. He communicated the promise that God had heard her misery and that her name, the name of her son would be Ishmael, which means God hears. Isn't that beautiful? God hears. Do you believe God has heard your misery? He has heard your cries of sorrow. He has heard your pleas for help. Do you believe that the God who loves you is also the God who hears and responds? Do you believe that God is already in the future arranging things that you will need? He's going to be preparing your heart for what he's gonna be asking you to do. He's, going to, he's helping you get the skills to do the things that you're going to do. There's a young woman who attends our church who had a desire to go into nursing. She took her training and this week, 
She boarded a plane with Samaritan's purse and is headed to a field hospital in northern Iraq. You know, if you'd said to this young woman five years ago, you know what, January 1st, 2017, you're going to be in Iraq nursing. I bet she would have said, yeah, right. That's exactly where she is. Why? Because that's exactly where God knew she was going to go. And he prepared her heart and he helped her get the skills to do the things that he was going to call her to do. That's the God we serve. I love the words of Jeremiah, first chapter in Jeremiah, where God says to him, before I shaped you, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you were even born, I had holy plans for you. That's the God who loves us. That's the God we serve. He loves us. He hears us. He prepares us. He goes before us. He did it for Hagar. He's done it for me. He's done it for you. Psalm 16 says, we make plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And I am so grateful for that because God's perspective, his plans are so much bigger than mine. I might be a big dreamer, but man, God knows how to make plans and to take me into them. You know, let's not miss the fact in this story that after, it says, after all this happened, from that time on, Hagar used another name for God. There's been a lot that had happened, right? We've got Sarah and missing, and the angels come, giving her the promise, and then Hagar uses a new name for God. The interesting thing is, this name of God for God was never used before. It's never used since in Scripture. It's only this one time, but it's a beautiful name. Hagar calls God. Elroy, the God who sees. Say that. Elroy, the God who sees. I think we often have a skewed view of that Elroy. I think we often have turned it into, it's like a stern warning from God that he's watching, watching our every move and scrutinizing us. He's accusing, he's condemning shaming us when we stumble. He's like the big God with the big stick that's ready to whack us as soon as we step out of line. That is such a lie. A lie that causes us to turn away from God. A lie that causes us to try to figure things out on our own. To hide in shame or to reel under condemnation. Romans 8, 12 says there is no Again, it's a definitive word. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reality is God is looking for us. He's pursuing us. God came to Hagar in this story, in the wilderness, in her place of quiet desperation and misery, and he revealed to her his presence and his promise for help and for a future. Do you believe that God sees you? He is a God who loves and he sees your future and he's preparing you for it. Nothing happens randomly. I don't believe in chance. 
I believe in a God who is in control. I believe in a God who is working all things out for good. That's hope. Hope is a belief that we have something to hope for and that we are certain on it. The psalmist says, surely. In other words, I have certainty that your goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I'm often guilty. I get this up here. But sometimes I forget it. And then I start to pepper God with questions. Okay, so, so you got a plan for me. So what is it? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? It? Who's going to do it with me? And I get all these questions. It's almost like I'm demanding God show his plan to me. Anybody else ever do that? Any admission? I want you to imagine with me, we've gone out to a field in the dark. There's no, he- there's no street lights. It's a dark night. And we're standing there. We say, okay, God, now show me. I want you to turn on the headlight, on bright. Give me the headlight view of where you're heading. Where are you going to take me? Well, God could give us the headlight view. And maybe sometimes he does. But in my experience, what he usually does is he takes me by the hand and he gives me a flashlight. He says, trust him. He says, walk with me. I'm going to give you one step at a time. And then as we're walking along, one step at a time, it's almost sometimes like the batteries are getting low. It's so dark. And he whispers in my ear a very simple, powerful question. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me that I have a path for you? It may get steep, but I do know what's best for you. And I do know what's going to bring glory to my name. Will you trust me? Will you trust me to go out on a limb with me? You know what? If that's where I'm calling you, that's the safest place on earth. Will you trust me? Will you trust me that if I ask you to lay down your life for me, I will give it back to you, pressed down and spilling over. Will you trust me? The psalmist says, those who know your name, those who know God's name, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You know that Chinese pastor I spoke about a minute ago, the one that's read the scriptures a hundred times? I wonder how he would answer the God's question, will you trust me? I resound with the songwriter, Alison Krauss, an old hymn. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. I know the God who holds 2017. He has proven himself to me loving and faithful and good. He proved that in 2016 to me, despite all the hard stuff, in the midst of the hard stuff. He's proven it to me years and years and years. And so I know that I can trust him 
as I move into 2017. I know that I can answer that, the question, where are you going? My answer to that is I'm going with you. I'm going with you, Jesus, and I will trust you. You know, as we close, let's take a moment to reflect on the year that was and to project into the year that will be. Where have you come from? Maybe there's things, there's sin, there's unforgiveness. There's hurts from this past year. Maybe there's many years ago, and it's a little bit like the food that's been back in the back of your fridge too long that's starting to smell. <laughs> Let's deal with it. Let's get rid of that stench in our souls. This morning, God may have just gently nudged you just a little bit to give these to him, to come clean with him about the things in your past, those things that are impacting your today, and they're gonna continue to impact every day of this year until you get rid of them. You know, maybe you've realized this morning, I don't even have a relationship with God. You've pushed him away. You've avoided him. Maybe you're cowering under the lie of condemnation or retaliation. And Jesus is saying, respond to me. Give me your pain and your sorrow. Give me your sin and your shame. Allow me to clothe you in my righteousness. You know, it's as easy as admitting your need for Jesus and then asking him to come into your life and make you a new person from the inside out. Make today the day you get right with God. John, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He's just to forgive us all our unrighteousness. And maybe you need to come to the altar this morning and just spend a few minutes in honesty before God and answer that question, where have I come from? You know, we're often afraid to answer that question. You know, like Hagar, God wasn't at, didn't ask the question so he could find out. He knew that she needed to verbalize it. He knows that we need to answer honestly. I urge you on this first day of 2017, answer honestly that question. Where have you come from? How can we be thankful this year? What can we be thankful for? Where have you seen God's faithfulness and love in the good times and in the tough? Let's take a minute right now, just in the quietness, as the music is played. Recount back to God. Tell him the story. Tell it back to him of how he has cared for you. And express your gratitude and your thankfulness to him. latter part of that, it's really a question we can't answer is that I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen even as I leave this building today. I don't know what's going to happen by 6 o'clock tonight. I don't know what's going to happen by July. I don't know what's going to happen in December 2017. None of us do. We're 
We're called to walk in faith. But the question we can answer is, will you trust me? In all honesty, there's the last few years as God just keeps asking this question of me over and over, Rosemary, will you trust me? There's been days that I've said, no, I don't think I can trust you. This one's too big. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then there's times that I've said just a feeble, I'll try. I'll try and trust you. And then he's built my faith and there's, I can resound and say, yes, I will trust you. Give me faith to trust you in every circumstance this year. Show me your glory. Show me your goodness and help me trust. Will you trust me? Will you trust me with your job? Will you trust me with your relationships? Will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me with your children? Both those children that are making godly choices and those children that are breaking your heart, will you trust God with them? I think he wants us to know that he actually loves our kids more than we do. And he's got it. He's got them in the palm of his hand. He will take care of them. Will he trust you? He asks us, will you trust me with your health? He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He even knows how many came out in the brush this morning. He's got that. He says, every day of your life is recorded in my book. You will not leave this earth one moment before my perfect timing. Will you trust me? Will you trust me with everything that 2017 brings? In the quietness of this moment, decide how you're going to answer that. Will you trust me? God, you are worthy of our praise. You are great and mighty and holy. You are the God who hears. You are the God who sees. You are Yahweh. Lord, forgive us for our independence. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Thank you for your sustenance, how you have brought each one of us through this past year, through the valleys, the valley in the shadow of death. You were with us. Your rod and your staff, they comforted us. Oh, Father, we say thank you. We are full of gratitude for your never-ending love, your presence and your provision, Father. Thank you. Father, as we peek around the corner at 2017, we ask that you would give us courage. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will never leave you and never forsake you. Father, thank you for that promise. Help us to cling to that. Help us to cling to that in those moments where you're saying, go, go, you can do this. In those moments where we feel weak, Lord, help us to remember that you are always with us. 
Lord, we ask that you would grow our faith. You would strengthen us so that we would be as a, as a pillar that goes nowhere, that, like an oak tree, that the roots go down deep into your word, into knowledge and experience of you. So that no matter what comes at us this year, we'll stand strong. Lord, prepare us for what you're going to call us to do. We know you will because you're faithful. And you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And we say thank you and we praise you for that. So, Father, as we leave this building today, my prayer is that each one of us will take with us this sense of your spirit that we've been feeling. You will go with us as we go into this day, as we go into this year, relying on you, trusting on you, watching for your goodness in our lives. And Lord, may we be quick to give you all praise and glory. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I ask that you would bless each person here. You would bless them and keep them in your strength and in your power. And Lord, that your face would shine upon them and they would feel your pleasure. It's a God who sees that's watching and caring and that you would be gracious to them. And Lord, may your face be turned towards us and that you would give us your peace. Oh God, this world needs peace. Our families need peace. We ask that the Prince of Peace would flood our lives, would flood our country, would flood our world. That you would reign supreme, Father, the Prince of Peace. We dedicate this year to you. All that will be, all that you will do for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.